All right, welcome back, Linga Podcast, Lanier, Rara, and today's special guest, Tori Hudet. What's up? What's up? Hey, how you hey, doing? Bro. I'm good. How are you? You know, chilling. Yeah, like a villain. Awesome. Like ice so, cream <laughs> so Tori, tell us about yourself. Oh goodness, I am Tori Hudat. Um, I am originally from New Orleans. I've lived the majority of my life in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I am an artist. Um, most specifically, I do hip hop, but I've been singing a little bit. Um, I am into real estate. Um, I am slowly but surely becoming an activist. You know, really oh. taking some more shit seriously. Um, but yeah, I'm just a a creative all around more than anything. That's awesome. I have seen um, on your Instagram and your Facebook that you've been. Um, you know, going to rallies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And what is your take on all that's been going on with um, all the unnecessary shootings and, you know, senseless deaths? Yeah. Um, we got deep quick, man. I love it. Uh, no, honestly, I'm, uh, I'm just listening a whole lot and learning. I feel like, um, you know, that's really my place right now because I have been someone who not necessarily on the sidelines, cause I've always been, you know, preaching, um, you know, love and, and, and positivity and progression and, and my music and, and, you know, who I am as a person, but, um, sidelines in the sense that I just haven't done enough, um, as a, a privileged, uh, white female, um, I haven't done enough, uh, to, um, you know, stand up for things that I know are wrong, um, you know, nothing, nothing, it's not like I've been blatantly, uh, uh, you know, uh, on the wrong side, but I've, but I, I just, um, I haven't done enough. So, uh, everything that's, that's going on since, um, I mean, 400 years, uh, but <laughs> really, um, you know, I think since, since May, you know, and, and when the whole George Floyd situation happened, I think that, um, it ignited, you know, this fire in a lot of people that were, just like me, you know, not doing enough. And, um, I think put a, put a light back on something that's been very obvious if your eyes are open and if you care, but, um, it's like a modern day civil rights movement, you know, it's like, it's, it's much needed. It's way overdue. Um, but right on time with, you know, the election and, and everything that's kind of at this place of, you know, Huge change. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, I'm not going to go out there and risk my life getting killed with going to a peaceful rally. Or they don't say peaceful rally, to go to a rally or mm -hmm. whatever, right? But, like, you don't have to go to a rally to be supportive of the movement. Exactly. I mean, that's what I don't think a lot of people understand. You don't have to do that. I mean, you can you can uh, bail people out. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm not, I forget what it's called, but you know, they have to have bail things set up where people can donate yeah, bail money. Fund. Yeah, yeah. Bail fund. Thank you. Where you can, um, donate money to people or to the, the person getting everybody out, mm -hmm. you know, like, and when we had the two cops on the podcast and I was talking to one of my other cop buddies that worked all the, all the, um, protests downtown, mm -hmm. he said, man, all of them were peaceful. Mm -hmm. He said there was probably 15 or 16. He said, man, there were a few kids here and there. They would like try, try to like inside inside shit. Yeah, but you just knew they weren't there 
for the right purpose. right purposes yeah. and the change and all that stuff. They were there for um, uh, like, oh, let's let's make this um, into something completely different now. Yeah, right. Well, I was. Um, that's why you know I, when you first said anything, I said I've just been listening and learning because um, it's not like you just get to declare that you're an ally and just jump into it without recognizing that, um, you know, every action, every word is important. And like, there's every role is important. Mm -hmm. So there's some people that need to be on the, on the front lines and need to be marshals at a protest or need to be, um, you know, the, the, you know, lawyer off to the side or somebody who understands the law off to the side, taking notes, there needs to be someone who's recording you know, who's on live. And then there's some people, majority of the people who need to keep their phones at home. There's so many, um, things to learn and understand. And I actually went to, um, the official black lives matter chapter, uh, Memphis and, um, uh, a couple different, you know, local organizations, um, put together a civil rights. Um, I mean, a civil disobedience training at the civil rights museum. And I attended that, um, just because I was really ignorant, you know, like right. I, I cared a whole lot and I was angry and I felt, um, you know, regret for not doing more sooner. Um, and I just needed to like channel that the right way and make sure that I was being productive and actually, uh, you know, going to make a difference. So I went there to learn and that's where I, I realized that I don't have to necessarily be on the front lines at all times, especially because, um, you know, me being, you know, quote unquote Tori Hudad and me having, um, you know, a, a job that requires a lot of my time and it, I can't always be there. And that's what like a lot of the actions I missed out on were not, because I didn't want to be there, but because I couldn't. So I just have really learned to um, fill those different roles. It's like, you know, we can only do as much as we can with the time that we, we can do it with, because mm -hmm. like, like you said, you know, you, you Tori Hudat, right. Obviously. Uh, but you know, you also have other obligations you have mm -hmm. to fulfill. Yeah. Otherwise you're not going to be able to make, a rent or mortgage or whatever. Yeah. If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody oh, else. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Especially in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> Big time. So uh, what do you think about when people say like all cops are bad? I don't care how nice the cop is. He bought, you know, uh, paid the lady rent or whatever. I hear that a lot or I see that a lot, you know, <clears throat> and what do you, what do you, how do you answer that question? Well, I think that that's, um, <clears throat> kind of a difficult question to just answer with one line because I mean, it's easy to say all cops are bad. All cops are, all cops suck. You know, that's, that's like, you know, I could say fuck 12 all day, you know what I mean? But right. not everybody understands why we say that. Um, I know quote unquote good cops. I know, um, you know, I actually pissed off a lot of, you know, my mom's side of the family because I've got cops on that side in New Orleans. And, um, I started posting some shit like blue lives don't matter and things like that. And they just didn't understand. And that's kind of, you know, I had to take a step back and realize that like, there's some people you just like can't have a conversation with and they're never going to get it, but you have to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And if you want 
unity and you want peace and you want things to change without getting more ugly than they are now, um, you got to communicate differently. So, um, yes, the, the, the police system as we know it is corrupt. The police system as it is, if is, is, is bad. Yeah. So, so it's, all cops are bad if you can't recognize that and be a part of the change that, and I don't even know, to be honest at this point with all that I've seen and I've learned, if it's a system that can be reformed or if it's a system that needs to be abolished and completely, you know, uh, reconfigured and, and, and if we need to just start fresh, because, you know, if you know your history, you know, that, Police policing, as we know, it was only created to criminalize black people, period. Oh, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you know that? Watch the 13th documentary. Um, you, I learned a lot. Um, my sister recommended it. She works for the attorney general in Chicago and oh, wow. um, has a politics degree. And so she really has helped um, inform me. Uh, and yeah, I mean, when you realize that, you know, there's fine print. <laughs> in in the constitution that you know the slaves weren't freed when when we learned in in school they were freed because they immediately created these policing systems that said if you were a criminal then you were a slave that you could be enslaved that's where it all started so when you when you when you realize just how deep the corruption goes um, it's hard to look at a cop and, and feel anything positive. And that's really where I'm at. The more I learn, the more I'm like, yo, if you're still a cop right now and you aren't speaking out and doing more to protect vulnerable communities, you know, people of color, black people, if you aren't doing more, um, and, and ruffling some feathers, then you are, you're you're just guilty by association. And Isn't that the term they use? Yeah, you know what right. I mean? I'm just to keep it real. And that pisses off a lot of people, but it's <clears throat> it's the truth. No, it's true. It's like but like, you know, like the cop friends that I have, they're definitely what you just said. They definitely are like, wait, man, this is fucked up. We're not doing that. You know, they're de- it's kinda like when I asked that question, would you turn in a bad cop? And they're like both of them didn't hesitate. They were like 100% yes. Yeah, but the problem with that is they're still protected. You know what I mean? And that's right. that's the difficult position that good cops are in is I can speak out all I want, but those are usually the ones that end up getting fired or some fucked up shit happens too because the whole system is corrupt. The whole system is corrupt. Do you think that the only way to fix it, like you just said earlier, was to completely gut it or completely start over from what is currently I think it starts with defunding the police and that's another term that pisses people off but you know I'm I'm sure you know you've heard the other side of the argument that's like okay we got schools and teachers that need money we've got you know um, a lack of funding in the areas that need it most um, so yeah I think it starts with defunding the police and reallocating that money to um you know, uh, you know, organizations and um, collectives that understand the community that they're serving and that understand that um, you can't, you know, eliminate crime without creating opportunity. 
Like the police don't come and and stop crime before it happens. They they come when crime has happened or they they come after you know someone calls. So you're saying, yeah, it yeah, starts with creating opportunities and reallocating money to the communities that need the most. Police don't need taser shields, okay? They don't need more riot gear because as you said, you've got police on here that are acknowledging that protesters are peaceful. The large majority, the vast right. majority, it's incited by the police. And I've been at the protest. I've been there. I've been boxed in right when curfew is about to hit and they're they're boxing in every street and and keeping us from our cars. Just so they can arrest y'all for being yes. past curfew. I've seen it with my own eyes, so you can't tell me shit. <laughs> Do they like kind of walk past you when they're like yelling and shit because you're, you know, you're white and you, your friends that are with you, they're like ganging up on them more because they might be black? Oh, hell yeah. Like, excuse I me, ma'am. So are, are you okay? Like, yes, you know, it's like, I am, excuse me, let me handle this right quick. I've got mm-hmm. so many situations in my life that I know that I got out of because of the color of my skin, period. And, uh, you know, I surround my, myself with a lot of black people. And so I see how they're treated. Um, especially comparatively speaking. And um, like I said, anybody with their eyes open who cares just a little bit, it's to me, I don't know how you miss it. No, that's true. I mean, I don't know. Um, Let's talk about your music. Yeah. 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 But I appreciate you, you asking me about that because this is really the first time I've ever, you know, talked about it in this capacity. I mean, I, like you said, I, on my social media, I, I address it. Um, but, uh, it's only been something that has, you know, I've really been vocal about in the, in the past year and I'm, and I'm still learning so much. So, uh, it feels good to talk it out. Well, I have one more thing about what we've been talking about. <clears throat> Can I do Can you not do that, please? Well, sorry. I do have one more you talking about the that? Yes. Sorry, my, oh, I'm my, the worst. Every time, every recording that I have in the studio, I'm like, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't know. I just started doing it more and more after you said it. I just try not to do it. But um, you know, like uh, how like small police departments have like military ass like trucks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Why do they need that? Exactly. I mean, like literally, things- just the case in point was at 201 a couple weeks, a few weeks back. At this point. I know the people that were down there. There was no more than 15 people outside of 201. Meanwhile, you got cops right inside the door with fucking shields that look like they're from Star Trek, bro. Like literal taser shields. Why the fuck do you have that in the first place? Okay. Secondly, for 15 peaceful protesters standing outside. And and they later apologized, and pe- they later apologized for that. But I'm like, who made that call? Where did they even get him from? Like, it, why is what? it necessary when 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 Memphis is is you know one of the poorest cities? What, what, how how did they got taser shields? But you can't you can't get some teachers some some freaking Clorox wipes and some some you know supplies for their room. Yeah, how, make it make sense. Teach now. I will say this: teachers they get they get fucked. Because they get paid like shit. Uh, even if you're a great teacher, you eventually break, right? Because yes. you're spending all this money of your own, of your out of your own pocket, and you just 
buying, you know, construction paper, buying pencils for your kids because, you know, half these kids that you read inner city, a lot of these kids don't even have these school normal school supplies that, mm-hmm. like, somebody, say, at Bartlett would have, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I used to see it firsthand at my, my store when I had Kings over there on Tillman. You know, all the kids at Leicester, un- until they became um, – um, I forget what they became. Uh, the school's name became something private. Mm-hmm. Where um, and um, then the city and the charter it became a charter school. Sorry, charter school. And all of a sudden, they had all the supplies, school uniforms, everything was taken care. Of. But before then, we would like my family would give you know money and stuff to the to teachers because we knew the teacher would go out and buy the supplies and stuff like that. Cause teachers would come to us. Hey, you look, we have this classroom. Oh yeah, sure. Here's a hundred bucks. Go, go what you need, you know? And that school only holds has like 200 kids. So it was only like 10 teachers. So it wasn't like the end. It wasn't like the end of the world, but doing that helped them so much. Yeah. And just providing simple things like that helped them so much. And then like when some of this money should go to teachers mm-hmm. because, and some of this money should go to these fucking broke down ass schools that these kids are learning in. Yeah. Why would you want to go to school and be there for eight hours? If the fucking air don't work or whatever in the in jail, you have and, air. And, and you can't undermine what that does to these kids mentally That's what from, I'm, yeah. from such a young age that that's all they see. That's all they know. And they don't know that they deserve better and right. that they should have better. And so they grow up with that mentality. When you think you're less than, you're going to live less than your potential. And it's it's so ingrained. It's that's that is, you know, right there. That's systematic racism. That's, you know, um, something that in theory seems like it could be, you know, so simple. Um, But like I said, that's what starts with, you know defunding demilitarizing the police and and putting that money into creating opportunities um and and creating um you know uh resources in these communities um for these kids and and otherwise um to give them like i said the opportunity so yep i promise we're gonna get to your music but I <laughs> you're have, good <laughs> you're good I have, oh, damn it what question that was i gonna ask I don't know if I remember it. I'll come back. Yeah, to just it, come back but, to it. We're uh, good. We're good. So, how did you get into music? Like, who pushed you or whatever? Yeah. Or who, and then on the other side of that question, who was telling you what the fuck are you talking about? You know, like <laughs> right. Um, well, funny story. Um, I always started out. I always say I'm a, I'm a writer before I'm a rapper. I always wrote a lot when I was growing up. I'm talking like. 10, 11, 12, I was, you know, always uh, writing in rhythm, if you will. But um, I was told I couldn't sing. Like, I, that was like a common thing. Like, my dad would be like, hey, who, who's singing that song? And I'm like, you know, and he's like, let's, let's keep it that way. I'm like, damn. Um, so, you know, I was uh, insecure about that from the jump, but I knew that I had something to say. So um, I fell in love with hip hop. Um, I think the first song that I can like recollect, like being like, wow, I want to do that is Nelly country grammar. Nice. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah was- and I remember watching the actually I was watching the video one day when my, my parents were home and I was like, like, I want to like, I want to do that. Like I, like I said, I was always already writing like spoken word. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I was also, Grew up in a very uh, legalistic uh, Christian home. So 
Um, my parents kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. They they didn't understand hip hop. They thought it was um, Satan's music, and um, so it really wasn't welcomed um, at all. And uh, but I I loved it. Like I had this like secret obsession with it. So I found Christian hip hop. Um, you might lo- know Lecrae. I think I've heard. Yeah, Lecrae. He had that song with Tori Kelly. Um, it was big a couple years back. Um, I'll find you. Um, blessings with the Sign. Anyway, he's he's blown up on a secular level at this point, but um, he's been rocking the Christian rap realm for like since I was like fourteen years old, probably sooner than Damn. that. Yeah, so he's been around for a long time, and he. Um, I think he's, I think he's actually originally from Memphis or he's lived a lot in Memphis, but, um, he was in Chicago a lot at the time and, uh, through some people at my church, um, got, you know, was like one degree of separation from him and ended up, uh, getting the opportunity to, to meet him at the hip hop church on the West side of Chicago. Um, and through Lecrae's music, I really opened my my dad, most specifically, his eyes to, um, like, the culture of hip hop and like understanding, like, the root of it is is storytelling and is authenticity, and um, that there was this whole sector of Christian hip hop that was really exploding. That um, I mean, literally every Christmas on my list, my Christmas list was like fifteen Christian hip hop rapper CDs, like. I just, I couldn't listen to normal hip hop, like secular hip hop um, in front of my parents or, you know, um, I mean, I did, but I really fell in love with, um, you know, Christian hip hop. So it had a lot of soul, a lot of, um, you know, especially Lecrae's music. There's um, a lot of heart there. And and that's really what I gravitated to was um, I may not relate to everything that you're going through and every bit of your story, but I feel the emotions and that feeling. And I understand that we're connected in this weird way. So, uh, yeah, through that, I mean, I'd already started writing raps, actually the first official rap that I wrote, uh, that I wrote, um, was to, uh, Eminem when I'm gone, um, found the beat online, LimeWire or something. Um, had Fruity Loops and like this headphones like this with this little, <laughs> I was in my parents' basement in Chicago and yeah. I was just writing to like Sean Paul and, and man, any little John, anything I could get my, my, like any beats I could get on. Uh, I was just writing and, uh, through my church, um, and, you know, through the connections I had made, you know, from uh, the hip hop sh- um, church in Chicago and um, what I had, you know, found on the internet, um, I was able to put together my own projects. Um, I put t- put out two uh, different mixtapes under Victorious. That was my that was my Christian rap name. Victorious. Victorious. Before, I fucking love before that. Before Victorious, the Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon um, show, I I was Victorious. You were okay. the original. I was the OG. Oh Victorious. man, that's fucking great. Yeah. So, um, and you know, actually, my dad uh, became like super supportive. We've already always been really close, and um, we got T-shirts made. Um, I learned like basic Photoshop and stuff, and I like designed my own CD cover. 
I got hooked up with this uh, label, Anointed Entertainment, out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, traveled a bit, like, my senior year of high school and did, uh, like, Christian, like, um, hip-hop festivals and uh, church camps. And uh, there's this Christian radio show in um, Fort Wayne called Remedy FM and did some stuff there. and. See, motherfucker, I didn't even cut you off. Fort Wayne's popping, dog. <laughs> Fort Wayne's popping. You did Fort know Wayne. the number one DJ in Fort Wayne, right? That's right. Wait. John the Mexican from 98.9 The Bear. Wait, what? Tell me that. what's happening. Sorry. Uh, my buddy used to live in Fort Wayne. He was the yeah. number one drive time radio DJ, and they always bust my balls because I always say he was number one. He Fort was number Wayne one. was the shit. Fort <laughs> Wayne was, was a hub for Christian hip hop, for sure. That's funny. I got you. Uh, sorry, go I ahead. Got you. No, Thank no, you. I got you, man. Uh but uh, yeah, from there, um, I did like I had one last big show at the Gurney Mills Mall where I live in in, um, in Illinois and um, brought out like thousands of people. And it was just a moment for me where I like I remember being extremely nauseous before I went on stage and then afterward being like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what I want to do always. But I was super conflicted because at the time, like I really knew that I was gay. Um, I wasn't out or open at all and um, really was like suppressing that. So it was like a whole lot of inner turmoil because at the time I didn't see how um, like me as a, a lesbian woman, like how that meshed with my faith. Um, I was misinformed and um believed a whole lot of things that i now know aren't truth but uh it really uh, took a toll on me so i graduated high school um in chicago and a month later my parents said they were moving back to memphis which we had lived in memphis you know a lot when i was younger and i had a decision i got accepted into seminary in illinois Um, i was going to go to trinity um university and uh, seminary in school and I um, just had this moment where I decided that I was going to move back to Memphis and just take some time. Um, I continued to write through that time period about my confliction, about what I was going through internally, but I stopped putting out music as victorious. I stopped that persona and um, it wasn't until... I was 21 that I, so a few years later, three years later that I said I was going to start like actually recording music again and um, thus began Tori Hudat. How did you come up with that name? Well, I'm originally from New Orleans. Um, so the Hudat is, is, you know, from, okay. from, the, yeah, from New Orleans. But I always joked like when I got on stage, people would be like, Hudat. Um, Um, but I really wanted to be just Tori. Like I, that was my initial, um, you know, idea was that I was just gonna be Tori because, you know, my music and everything that I write about and rap about is like really comes from such a real place that I just felt like I I need to be Tori, you know? Um, I didn't feel like, you know, having a a special name, but everybody called me who Like I went to a lot of like local hip hop shows for a long time before I ever put out any music. And, um, Everybody called me Hudat. Um, so it just kind of stuck. Nice. And at the time, I was 
I had like a really solid group of friends and like um, we did like everything together and I felt like my potential and like even before I put out music, I was like, man, like I need to like brand my following. You know, I need to like, yeah, I'm Tori Hudat, but like I want people to when they, you know, relate or connect with something that I'm, you know, a message that I have in my music or, or whatever, I want them to be able to like call themselves something like so Tori Hudat and Dat Crew began at the same time. Like that was uh. all synonymous. Like, I, you know, I was like this is one and the same, like, because Tori Hudat as an artist is like, you know, bigger than me, you know, and I wanted Dat Crew to, to represent that as well. And for people that, like I said, connected to have their own name. That's what's up. So <laughs> what, um, what, what groups, uh, or bands, like, did you listen to growing up that influenced you when you were writing your rhymes? Um, I mean, definitely Lecrae, um, I listened to, uh, you may not know this Christian rapper named John Rubin, um, Marzil, uh, The Ambassador, all of 116 Click, like Tripoli and Tadashi and all that. Like Those were my Christian hip-hop influences. Um, and that really is like what gave me you know, the foundation. Um, outside of that, like truthfully, I listened to a lot of Tupac. <laughs> I listened to a lot of Tupac. Um, <laughs> And, um, yeah, I mean, when I was really starting to like, uh, dive into like secular music, I mean, like Nelly was a big deal at the time. Um, Lil Wayne, obviously like being from New Orleans, like, you know, when was this? This was like what? 2004, 2003. Yeah. Nelly. Trying to get- yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you, when you, when you book a show or whatever, or when you first started doing music, why did you why did you want to do it for the audience? Um, I think music is about connection, you know, and I think uh, I mean, there's some people that just make those songs that just like just, you know, mindless fun. But even that is a form of connection, you know, and I and I just I felt like since a young age, I um, I had things to say, you know, I had a story to tell. Um, I always felt like people were receptive to me um, when I did speak up and I just kind of accepted and acknowledged that responsibility early on. Um, and so <clears throat> like for me, like I love recording in a studio, like I love making music, um, but performing it and like seeing other people respond to it to me is super powerful and is what makes it worth it. You know, um, especially when, you know, you have those those songs that, you know, cause like I said, some of my music's like just, just fun. And it's, you know, um, not as deep of a message, but when, you know, when I do a song, like my same love cover and stuff, like seeing people like literally move to tears and like relate to that extent and feel it that much. Um, there's like literally no other feeling like it. That's awesome. Now that was going to be my next question. Like, how awesome is it? Because I know they do. How awesome is it when you read that on your Instagram or whatever or Facebook that someone's reached out to you you've never met before, but they listen to your music and you're like, man, you know, I went through that same thing. And like they're typing this whole story out to mm-hmm. you and like they're telling your whole heart. Like, how awesome is that feeling? Well, 
I'm not gonna lie, like I went through I mean it's amazing, first of all, but like I went through a really tough time in like twenty sixteen and really like towards the end of twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen and and twenty seventeen. Um and my DMs got really heavy. Like I got to a point where I couldn't even open them. I couldn't even go in there and open them up because I felt like really guilty if I didn't give people back, if I didn't reciprocate the energy that they were giving me, if I didn't like actually read their story and read their message and respond accordingly. Like I'm never that person that can just like go on my DM and like someone pour their heart out and I'm just like hearts and like, Oh my yeah. Hands. Like fuck that shit. Like people took the time. They like, they didn't have to share that with me. They didn't have to encourage me that way. They didn't have to validate, you know, what I was feeling or my song. Like it just, it gets really heavy, but, um, where I'm at now, you know, mentally and emotionally. And, um, like I'm so grateful for every time I get one of those messages. Um, and it's, you know, still happens often and it, and the feeling never changes. Like just knowing that, you know, I am making a difference, you know, and, and that pain or, or whatever I went through, like it's worth it when, you know, it really is helping somebody else. And it's not just, you know, a moment of struggle in your own life. I don't know, man. Like I would, <clears throat> I would, I would, I would be crying the whole time. Like, yeah. reading that stuff, <laughs> yeah. probably. like Oh my God, this motherfucker is going, yeah. oh, this person's going to this. Like, yeah. Oh my God, let me call this person. Like, What's it your gets number? heavy. Like, yeah, you know, no, like, no. And I mean, there's some fans that have turned into friends or like just right. turned into somebody that like they got my number now because I mean, I still have to like limit the time that I'm, I'm in my DMs, you know, because, um, you, you know, watch it out. takes, your girlfriend going to kill you. Yeah. No, she, <laughs> um, and what's cool though is like people have really, um, gravitated towards her too. And like, there's a lot of my fans that will reach out to her about things now too. And it's just cool for her to kind of get a taste of that and like, you know, how yeah, I've met her. yeah, I've met her a couple of times. She's really nice. She's amazing. She's good people. She's really, you know, helped me through a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of what I was going through in 2017, that's when we met. Okay. So she kind of met me like coming out of like a lot of, uh, a lot of pain. <laughs> and so I was still healing and, um, like figuring out like, you know, where I was going to go from there. And, um, yeah, she just came right in the nick of time. She's awesome. That's awesome. Y'all been together for a while now. Yeah. I mean, we dated like for a solid year um, before we made it like super official. But I mean, really, I was so focused at the time. Like I really wasn't even looking for a relationship. So it was just, uh, you know, I was really focused in and she just balanced me out really well yeah, during that that's time. Awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to find Tony a woman. It's going to put up with him and me because we're a package deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm sure he has no problems. Look at this stud muffin. They don't like him. And because he, he always like bullies the people I hang out with because he Tori, gets jealous. Tori, do I ever, have I ever been no. mean to anybody you've seen me? I've, you've seen me a lot. Have I don't I think ever? you have a mean bone in your body. Or Thank all. you. She doesn't know. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us about your creative creative process um yeah so like i said i'm a writer before i'm a rapper so um <clears throat> like a lot of artists um 
like I've learned um, the more I've gotten into music. And actually, I worked with um, Elliot Ives, who um, was the guitarist in Free Soul. He oh yes, uh, was signed with Justin, and he's Justin Timberlake's guitarist now, and um, makes a bunch of amazing music on his own with Lord T and Eloise and otherwise. But um, I got in the studio with Elliot, and he we were writing a song, and he challenged me to. Um, you know, for us to basically get in a circle or like whatever and, and, you know, hum things out, create the melody before really writing out the lyrics. And, um, I almost feel weird saying this out loud because like a lot of artists are like, duh, like you got to have a melody and stuff. But like for so long, I was just writing, like I was just writing words mattered so much to me, you know? Right. And I felt like there was a huge shift in, my creative process and like the end result of my songs. And like, I think which ended up me singing a lot more was um, me really, you know, putting the melody first and like, um, you know, finding that and, and, you know, feeling that before I even thought of anything to say, but it's still like this, this creative battle within me because um, I'll always get too wordy, <laughs> you know, like that's just, uh, I know is, is just part of, you know, what makes Tori Hudat Tori Hudat. You know, it's it. You know, it's different, and um, some of my my flows are a little bit unorthodox, and um, but some people have said it's very Wu Tangish and very. But like to me, it's like I'm gonna give you whatever's on my heart, and that may or may not have the catchiest melody, but you're gonna feel me regardless mm-hmm. if you're listening. Right. Um, so. Um, the creative process for me, it just really depends a lot on, um, what I'm feeling, what other creatives I'm surrounded by, because I'm always trying to learn, you know, I'm always, I did a song with, um, Jazzy, you might know Jazzy, Dope by Accident, she wrote Billy Ray's verse on Old Town Road, she, oh, really? uh, she, she's written for a lot of people, um, the biggest song right now, Lemonade, that was like her song two years ago, literally. Um, I have heard that song, but I did not know that. Yeah, was Jazzy's from Memphis. What's um, the song? Lemonade. How's that go? Man, don't make me do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I probably heard. It, I just don't know the yeah, you, song. You yeah, know? it's one of those songs. Uh, um, but yeah, just to say, like, I actually have a song with Jazzy. I've been sitting on since 2016. Um, Come on, Jazzy, get that But she was in town um, for a couple days and came through Royal Studios and. She laid this hook in like 15 minutes, bro. Like literally I played her five beats. I knew the first one I played was going to be the one she wanted to to work to. And she did. And it was like watching her creative process. I was like, fuck, I got to get better. Like I got to like it leveled me up right then and there. So, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I come from like I'm a writer before like I was like a musical artist. So right. um, I'm ever i'm learning yeah what is your most favorite song that you have created shit that's a good question um it's not out are you proud of yourself i'm, I'm that very question? proud of that myself that is a good question I'm actually very proud of myself. <laughs> that is a good question i was sitting in my right? bedroom the other day and i thought about that thing that is a really good question um i think the my favorite one is not out yet um it's it's called well with my soul Nice. Um, and it's uh, actually I, the song I did with Elliot. 
Um, and what's crazy about that is like, I actually didn't take his advice in that situation. You know, he was like, you know, we're going to go around, we're going to create the melody first. Like we just made the beat in one session. He was like, come back next week and we're going to, um, you know, write to it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And like, he's like, if you want to, you know, figure out generally what you want to like, what you want the concept to be or whatever, like, that's cool. But no, I went home and I wrote to that thing. I just had a moment of like inspiration and I wrote the whole song like front to back, went back the next week and showed it to him. And he was like, okay, this is it. Let's roll with this. And you know, we didn't right. really change much from that, but I mean, it has, it's very catchy. It has a, you know, great melody. It's, it's all the above, but um, it is like so much of my heart. So definitely well with my soul. When, so let me ask this. Why do, why, why is it that when you guys record something, it's shell for a couple of years or a year or six months or it's never released? Why do they do that? Well, I tell you right now, like the name of the game in the industry is like release, release, release. You know, it's like you got artists that are putting out songs back to back to back because in this day and age, people's attention spans, like they don't want to listen to a full length album unless you're Drake. No one's going to play through that bitch. Like it's, it's the industry's just evolved a lot. I have not evolved with it. Um, reason being like, I, um, I'm not in the studio at the frequency that I think that a lot of people think that I am. Um, like I'm not the type of artist that's like in a studio every night or even on a weekly basis. Um, I, still wear a lot of hats in regards to my music brand and like um I still do a lot and that includes uh funding everything that is Tori Hudad. I've never had an investor. I don't have like that's all me. So I work my ass off. I work a lot. Um and I don't um I don't have I mean I have I'm sitting on like 30 songs right now, almost 40 songs. Damn. But but I to put out music and for it to really move, even organically, to put it out and for it to actually be worth the investment that you put into recording. I mean, because you got to think about recording hours, you got to think about mixing hours, you got to think about mastering, then branding the song, and then, mar- I mean, to do it right, you're thousands and thousands of dollars. And so every, you got to think every song like that, that's every, I got 30, that's holy shit. A lot of fucking money. Yeah. Anybody okay, want to so, invest in my girl? Man, call me up. But that's the thing is like, I've had opportunities to have investors, but to me, I've come this far. You have to give up too much. I will not. Yeah. It's like, I they, will not. I have turned down a lot of shit to keep the creative control and not just the creative control, but like keep my team. Like we, you know, you guys know Wheat and KG, like, you know, they've been with me since, since 2012, 2013. Yeah. So it's like, we know who Tori Hudat is. We know who Dak Crew is. We know where we want to go. And there's been a lot of people over the years that have seen me and seen dollar signs, but I'm not your next Justin Bieber. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to be your stereotypical, you know, lesbian or your, you know, one hit wonder over here. Like I've got a catalog and I've got a a lot to me that you can't put me on one track or, you know, cookie cut. That's not, it's not going to work because I'm not going to be happy. And that's what I've put first and foremost throughout all these years. And why I went through kind of a dark time is because 
like I was settling or I was allowing, you know, myself to get distracted by things that don't fucking matter. And um, I was hurt by a lot of people I had involved. And so I had to tighten up that circle and, you know, refocus myself and, and uh, you know, make every release fucking count. So, like, I've had start and go moments where like I was like okay we're ready to put this project or I'm ready to put out these 12 songs for the next 12 weeks and then some shit happens whether it be personally or you know um I'm reading the room like I had a plan to put out my next single Heather Gray was supposed to drop in March and then the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and then I was like okay I'm gonna drop it in May and then George Floyd was murdered and it was just like read the fucking room like I mean, every artist and their mama was getting on IG live and getting on. And I was just like, like, I don't want to get lost in the mix because what I have is too important to me, to the people that have been that, you know, around me that have invested their talents and their gifts and their time and their energy. Um, and all the, all the, you know, my, my fan, like my real deal, like core fans that have expect a certain level of, um, you know, the Tori Hudat brand is like, I've already achieved so much. I can't backtrack. I can't everything. Like I put out a, a Southern smoke stamped mixtape in 2014. Like the fuck I was a nobody. And DJ Smalls was like, yeah, I'll host your mixtape. Like while he's on tour with Yo Gotti, yeah. like the DJ Smalls, Southern smoke and lol me. How you follow that? You know what I mean? Like I had to level up every time. And that's why a lot of people outside looking in are just like, just drop shit. Just drop. I'm like, you're not the one who has to look at those, that play count and be like, well, why aren't y'all listening? Yeah. Right. You're not the one who's like sitting there posting shit over and over and nobody is reposting Mm -hmm. because it's, it's, it's got to count. And, and I knew that I had, so much invested and and so much potential that like if I'm if I'm gonna do it, I gotta do it the right way. Yeah. So now is there what what would if say say if I came to you and I was like, hey Tori, what is what would it take for you to sign with me? Like what is something that you're looking for and like in a, not a like a contract or an agreement or whatever it's called. I don't know, I don't know what it's called. Um, what would you not give up also? Well, like first and foremost, a hundred percent of my, my masters. Okay. That's like, I mean, there's this huge conversation that's been going on, you know, I think in the past like year or so about, you know, these major artists like, you know, Kanye and Taylor Swift that like didn't own their masters, you know? And, and like for me, like my songs, I know have great, um, placement potential, you know, like I got songs that, could be in movies, could be on commercials, you know, could be like that have a lot of potential. And if I don't have my paperwork right and I don't own not just like, like, you know, my percentage of the publishing or my percentage of like, you know, what I wrote or whatever like that, like the, the master of the, of the sound, the master of my song, my hands are tied forever. So I got one song. It takes one song. I have one song that blows up and I don't got my paperwork right. I'm fucked. Can you explain 
like the mastering and publishing and all that to us? Um, yeah, like b- basically like, um, you know, like when you record a song with somebody like, you, I don't know if you heard a split sheet. Mm-mm. Okay. It's like, like if I have somebody in the studio with me who like hums, uh, you know, something gives me a bit of a melody, like, and they, they deserve a percentage of that. Okay. You know, someone writes the hook or if like. If say like I've got a lot of songs, it's just me and Chris three thousand. Mm-hmm. Like Chris, Chris, Chris produced the beat, and I wrote the whole song, every oh, bit of it. Okay, it's fifty fifty. So that's like percentage of of publishing rights. So like when things get streamed, or um, you know, I guess that's the best example when like songs are streamed and stuff like that. That's like percentage of those royalties. Okay, but then you've got the master of the song, like which is like the ownership of the recording of the song, like of that, like final, like the, of the master version of the song, like the actual song. Um, if I got, uh, an opportunity to put one of my songs in P Valley or in a, in a movie or something like that, mm-hmm. I would have complete control over that and say they are going to pay me, you know, an amount of, you know, flat rate up front. And then I get that. Yeah. I don't have to deal with nobody else. I don't have to talk to nobody else. It's mine. Like the finished version of the song is mine. Okay. But the uh, percentage of like, like I said, streams or like when it plays in the movie, things like that are get, you know, get split up between. And, 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 and if anybody's listening and I said anything wrong, feel free to correct me because this is something that like is the, the business side of the music that, um, doesn't come naturally to me. Yeah. Like I'm, I got a good marketing mind. Like, you know, I can make music. I can do, can connect with people. But when it comes to like these sort of technicalities, like I'm always refreshing. Like I literally have a note in my, my notes in my phone of like these things break, broken yeah. down because it's something that I have to refresh my memory on a lot. It doesn't, I don't retain it well, to be is, honest. <laughs> is this what happened um, to sync? Back in the day, when they yeah. had, with that that album, no strings attached. It's what's happened to <clears throat> majority of major artists. Isn't for, Big Sean and having a beef with Kanye West about something? Uh, I don't think Big Sean beefing. He's got a he's he's got Zen in his life. I don't think he's beefing with nobody more. But he did. I think I read that he only got paid like fifteen thousand. Really for his, but that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why like he sort of has peace with it and understanding that like whatever a label gives you, they're going to want back. Yeah. Tenfold. So these artists, they're like, Oh, I signed for 10 mil. Like, the fuck are you going to owe them that money? Like they're going to milk you until you get them that money back. And then some, you're going to be on the road a long fucking time. It's like the fuck. And so that's why a lot of artists are like, fuck streaming my music. Like, come to the shows and buy my merch because they only make tour merch money. So, you know, it's been like, I've had whack ass 360 deals in my face that were trying to take all my publishing and, 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 you know, own all my shit. And I'm like, that's why I say I've come too far to give that up now. And that's usually like, that's the norm. That's the norm to screw artists. I wouldn't want to give up everything like that either for like say a couple million dollars or whatever. No, because you're, like, Fuck. you're just in debt. You're just literally indebted to them and 
your what you your passion and what you make your money off of is now theirs too. Yeah. So what are bars? Like I always hear them say, like I want to spit these bars. I did sixteen bars or whatever. Like how Xanax do you, dog. No, no obviously not. But like, how do you break that down? Like, um, you know, this is a funny question because like. When I first started rapping, I didn't really understand either. Yeah. And at at this point, like, I think it's kind of, like, different for different Because I even artists. tried Googling it, and I couldn't find anything That's what I'm it. saying. What That's what I'm like, saying. Like, so, so the goose and stuff? <laughs> some artists, like, rap. Like, some artists will will say that something is eight bars and then I'll listen to it. And I'm like, no, that's 12. Yeah. So, um, like, so is in, it kind of like sentences or like, it's basically, yeah. Like, 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 okay. So I just, I just wrote, um, this feature and it's eight, it's eight lines. So like, and that's ended up being eight bars. Okay. So I think it's more so like when you're, when you've got that, that cadence, like it's, it's yeah. Finishing a thought or, um, man, it's difficult. Yeah. Why you gotta ask yeah, that? I don't, I because, because no, it's <laughs> like, it's know. so funny because it's, it's one of those questions that I literally have never asked. Yeah. And, uh, I've done my own research on and there's like, conflicting yeah like i said so i, I just fucking thing. spit yo i just right. i just go in until <laughs> the beat stops though. yeah yeah because yeah. i always hear them say like especially like eminem he'll be like that's so many bars i'm like what the fuck yeah you know what does that mean yeah what um if there's something you can change i think you i know exactly we're going to answer this not doing this podcast <laughs> yeah. um if there's something you can change in the music industry what would it be Oh, that's a loaded question. I know. Damn. You're um, so proud of yourself today with these questions. <laughs> he really thought these through. <laughs> um, you, if you. there's something I would change. Um, I think that it's, it's uh, the, you know, really the, the power shift that's already kind of happening. And, um, and like the major label um, playing field. Um, because indie artists have really just like taken avenues like social media and, and um, like eliminated the need for major label. Um, and I think that um, like what I'd want to change is kind of already happening in the sense that uh, that power struggle is, is finally going in the, in the favor of artists. Um, but um Really, like overall, like beyond that, just um, streaming percentages. Like, like you stream like my yeah. music on Spotify, and that's the platform that most people use, and it's like the worst. Like the the amount of streams that you actually that you have to get to actually make much of anything is fucking ridiculous. Really? And it's not that the money isn't there; it's just like people who are just like the major labels, these streaming services are taking advantage of artists. And the same thing for like these editorial play, like these playlists, like there are ways for indie artists like to get on those playlists, but it's far and few between. And you've got major labels in their back pockets that are paying 
major money or that invested in some capacity to get their artist on these playlists. So it's, it's still like the way radio always was like, you know, you got to, it's pay to play. And, and it's just puts a lot of, um, more deserving artists in difficult positions to where they feel they have to sell out in ways or like change their music to fit what's popular. What's, you know, it's like I said, like I'm not jumping in like with everybody else and just pumping out music like that. Like Mm -hmm. there's some ways that I just won't compromise. And if that means I won't be the biggest artist in the world, like I'm totally okay with that as long as I can, you know, make enough to sustain myself as an artist eventually. Yeah. There was a, uh, I forget who it was, but a really big rock star posted like a picture of his uh, streaming check. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's like, this is after, I forget what it was. Like it was like a hundred million plays or, or view or whatever however it's called. It wasn't shit. Yeah, it's not shit. So like I don't like my. Sh- it's like I'm not focused on that at all. Like yeah. a lot of artists have like big goals for streaming and stuff like that. And like to me, like if it comes, it comes. I'd rather have continue to like cultivate this relationship and this connection with my core fans, the people that are going to show up to my shows when they happen again. Um, that are going to buy merch because that's where the main source of my income is going to come anyway. And like I said, these placements to sync licensing and like getting my songs, uh, you know, in movies and commercials, et cetera. Yeah. See, I think the way like these streaming things like YouTube, Spotify, whatever, even like social media, like Google, I'm not Google, I'm sorry. Um, Facebook and Instagram, they're kind of just leeches because you're putting mm-hmm. all the content out there exactly, and they're not giving people back anything in return. Exactly. So it's like, at what point do the people realize that we're being, you know, whored off essentially, 100%. you know, to keep them going and they're not giving us anything in return. Cause I know there was a, there was talk at one time, like if you posted something on some, I forget which uh, platform it was, but they were going to start paying the people to post. Mm hmm. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to be incentivized to post, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like Instagram at one point, they were going to like take away the insights and like, you know, all the analytics yeah. and like there's a whole generation of, of influencers that like, how can you measure your value? How mm-hmm. can you show brands that you have reach and yeah. engagement if you're going to take away those things? So, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, that's just unfortunately the way the music industry has always worked um and the way streaming platforms have grown to be you know it's not just little napster anymore or you know it's like there's a lot of competition there but um they have crawled in bed with major labels and they have followed suit and i mean social media platforms i mean instagram's owned by facebook it's you know it's all you know, it's all connected and the um, motivation is the same, you know, data, data and money. It's even like uh, with iTunes, iTunes came off of uh, the Beats by Dre platform. Like, because did you ever watch the Defiant ones? It talks about like Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre's relationship and how they all started. Yeah. But <clears throat> like that whole, their whole setup is basically taking that. So it's a whole music industry, you know, leeching once again. They got mm-hmm. their hands into it, you know, because yep. they saw that they were dying like, how can we get back? And, you know, and everybody's like, oh, I can get an album for $10 or as many songs as I want. So for the user, it's great. 
But for you as an artist, it's shit. Yeah. And it's it hasn't caught up. I mean, yeah. the major labels have found a way to take advantage, but um, the indie mm-hmm. artist is still a struggling. Yeah. It's much easier to get your music out there. There's definitely like, don't let this sound like a, oh, woe is me. Like, mm-hmm. it all sucks because there's plenty of artists that still capitalize and still make a way. And, um, you know, they have that song pop off or they have, you know, a consecutive series of, of successes and, and they get that momentum and they're all good. But, um, it, it should be different. And if, again, if we reallocated the funds where they belonged, yeah, <laughs> belong, it would be a different situation. What, um, what's like the coolest venue you've played? Oh, without a doubt, the Apollo theater in New York. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Cool I, uh, I went on tour with, uh, take me to the river. Um, mm-hmm. Boo Mitchell, um, has been a huge supporter of mine for years. And, um, he had an opening on the take me to the river tour and he was called me like a few days before they were about to leave for Sundance. And, uh, Asked me if I wanted to write a verse to So Tired of Being Alone by Al Green. Mm. And I was like, of course. Like, I'm a soul music fiend. Um, And so I was like, yeah, 100%. So got my verse together, went and rehearsed with them one time. And then I went to Sundance with them. And then we went to, we performed at the Brooklyn Bowl. Uh, And then we did the Apollo. Did you rub the log? Yeah, man, I just caressed that thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a special moment. Actually, Wheaton KG um, surprised me and showed up there. They flew in to. Be oh there. wow, that's yeah. awesome! Yeah, and so we got to Wheaton KG got to be back there and touch the log too. That's awesome. Yeah, it was super special. I got a standing ovation after because I had a little rap breakdown in the middle. Of, so tired of me alone by Al Green. You can imagine. Yeah, People like who that. Who that? <laughs> that's right. Who is that? Who is that? Who's yeah, that? exactly. Um, so, okay, that's your, what's the biggest dump? Oh, shit. Just describe it. You don't have to tell us the name, I guess, but I want to know, like, what the I was, worst, the worst place. Yeah. Um, was, yeah, I'm not going to describe it because <laughs> you would know where it is. <laughs> well, because I have a lot of respect for the owner. Oh, okay. And she was trying. It was a new club, it was a new gay club. Um, and, uh, in Mississippi. And I just had high expectations. And I went in and I was like, damn, this sucks. <laughs> like I got like I had a feature artist come with me and stuff. And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. Dance. Sometimes it'd be like that. And uh it was just kind of a dud. But um yeah, I don't think she owns the club anymore, so I could probably but I'm not. Okay. But yeah, it sucked. Yeah. Um so what is your, what is your, um, uh, like not dream tour, but like top three, four people you want to go on tour with? Um, people I want to go on tour with versus like people I think I do well on tour with. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Let's do both. Do both. Okay. People I think I do well on tour with, um, NF. I like that guy. Yeah. Huge. Like. I know him because of you. He doesn't curse. Yeah. Well, he's a Christian artist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, NF for sure. Because I, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, I was listening good. to his album and I was like, did I download the clean version? Like, what <laughs> the no. fuck is this? And no, then, he's just, he's like Lecrae. He started out in the Christian rap realm and uh, he okay. moved into secular because he had, uh, I don't know which song it was that popped up first, but 
But yeah, I mean, you go back, listen to his old shit. He's he's been the same, mm, and it's okay. all fire. Yeah. But we just like our music and like the way we. I think that that I do well. Um, Lauren Sanderson. I don't know if you're familiar with Lauren Sanderson. She's not really mainstream yet. She had a song with P and B Rock called "Written in the Stars," but she actually signed a deal with Epic, and then like a year into it, dropped him and has been doing even better. She went on tour with. Um, Billy Eilish's brother, um, forget his name. Holy shit! Yeah, so she's she's killing it now, and yeah, would love to get on tour with her, and probably like, I mean, one of my best shows ever was opening for Machine Gun Kelly um, at Minglewood. I woke up the next morning to no exaggeration, like three hundred new followers, and like. Damn. The, the fans that I got from opening that show have stuck with me since then. He has such a devoted fan base. Like, that's the type of, like, ride-or-die fans I want, and I feel like I could I could have. Where, like, I could do, like, he's crossed over into a lot of different types of music. Like, I feel like, um, yeah, I would do well opening for him as well. Laddie was really high on him when he was on here last week. Yeah. He was uh he says he's a really nice guy. Yeah, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> uh, I I mean I I I didn't have anything negative to say about him but um you know I I didn't I wasn't I kind of lost a little respect after the whole Eminem thing honestly. Mm. I just felt like it's very hip hop but it was like bro you're so out of pocket. It just I I didn't I didn't like it at first, but I do respect him as an artist and what he's accomplished and what he's come from. His story is very, you know, very similar to Eminem in the sense that he was the underdog and, um, and yeah, I've watched him from the jump. So like very early on, um, like chip off the block. Like I was yeah MGK fan. Um, so I just love to see how he's transformed and how he's kept the same team around him. Mm-hmm. He's got the same group of guys around him from like before he was an artist oh, really? that speaks volumes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I love that he's totally switched lanes and his whole It's all movies now. Punk, punk album. Yeah, he's dating Megan Fox. I mean the yeah. fuck? She's so hot. She's forever. Goddess. <laughs> Sheesh. So do you have any um venues booked or anything like that? Anything some yeah. lined up? Yeah, actually this Thursday night, um, I am performing at the corner of uh Main Street in Gayoso for um the Memphis Travel, uh, I think it's dinner and a, dinner and music series. I think that's what it's called. Is that Leah? Is that what she? I works think that's where Leah. I think she's in charge of that. Yeah, um, <laughs> Tanya with uh, Memphis Slim actually reached out to me about it and invited me to come perform. So it'll be like two hours. I'll be out there and um, I and got it's this Thursday coming up. Yeah, the twenty second. Yeah, I hadn't posted anything about it yet. I was waiting for them. You heard it first. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I got that, and then um, I just did uh, a live performance for Memphis Pride um, at the Moxie. We set up, and I used I my. I like that place. Yeah, yeah. Curtis is the manager up there, and he's um, incredible. My last performance before the pandemic was at the Moxie Grand mm-hmm. Opening, and uh, so we created that relationship then. And um, yeah, he put us up in this cool suite, and we set up, did a live stream or live pre-recorded performance from there and uh, that went really well um but right now like i've had a couple of offers to do shows but 
you know, just with everything going on with, with COVID, it's just, you know, it's not that like, like the people that have asked me to do it, it's like, I trust you, but like everybody else coming, like it's hard to be like at a show and not be like close to people. And right. some people don't, you know, um, you know, respect the seriousness of, of this. So, you know, I just, uh, I'd rather wait and do, you know, a show when a in person, you know, like, cause the, the one on Thursday is going to be outside, you know, I'll be on the corner right. street. So, um, a little bit more easier to, you know, I feel better about, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't lined up anything concrete beyond that. What, what would you tell yourself? What would you tell a young Tori who say like 10 or 15 years ago that you know now? Um, to sum it up, focus on what matters. I think that, like I said, when I got in a really low place, the low places that I've been in, you know, since I started in this journey, um, it's because it's because I lost sight of who I was, mm-hmm. or I got distracted and and caught up, um, and a lot of that came from like my sense of loyalty to certain people around me. Um, but it was also like this, I had to recognize and own up. It was this something within myself that I just wanted to be everything for everybody, you know? And, um, when you stay focused on what matters, you learn how to put those boundaries, those healthy boundaries up and, and, um, to say no and to, um, guard your energy and, you know, protect your spirit and, um, so much of what makes Tori who dat Tori who dat, you know, as an artist and as a brand is like, you know, love and loyalty and positivity and progression and being a light and, um, being authentic. And it just left me very vulnerable. Um, and that's a good place to be. It's where I know I need to be, but, uh, when I stay focused on what matters, it's like, I can be that, but also survive <laughs> and then, you know, get through it yeah. in a way that I, I still get to keep my heart and my head on my shoulders, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you do when you read a bunch of, like, say you release a video or something like that, and there's a bunch of, like, you know, you know, there's always trolls, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do? How do you, when you read troll comments, how, what do you do? You just don't read them or what? I laugh. You laugh like I'm what are so you doing? unbothered, man. I'm so unbothered. I've heard it all at this point, and I'm and I like genuine, genuinely can say that I, it skin is so thick, it yeah. does not fuck with me. And and sometimes I'll I'll entertain it um, if I can pull a lesson from it. You know, mm-hmm. if I can make an example out of somebody. Um, but it's been a while, I think, since I've done that. Um, and yeah, I just laugh it off because I fully accept and am totally okay with not being everybody's cup of tea. Like there's people that are like, dude, I'm the biggest fan of yours. And I'm like, what's your favorite song? And they're like, <laughs> and I'm like, you don't listen to my shit, do you? Yeah. Like, that's okay. Like you can still appreciate what I'm about and respect it without it being something that you want to listen to every day or at all. Mm -hmm. That's okay with me, you know? So everybody's got an opinion 
And typically I've learned that the people that are going to take the time and say some harsh shit or like really take a dig, they're hurting. Like there's something going on with them and I'd rather choose compassion than like get out of my character or like out of my element and bite back. Like, What's it going to do? Yeah, it's like you took the time to watch this person's video to shit on it. Yeah. It's like, come on now. I usually say thank you for the view. Have a good <laughs> it's day. like the um, <laughs> it's like the meme you posted yesterday or the other day, the guy talking shit about somebody's titty or something. <laughs> oh, they were talking about a uh, Cardi B. Cardi I guess B. she leaked a nude or yeah. something. And like, you know, it's usually like. Her elbows are sh- too pointy. Yeah, it's like usually out of shape people that are making fun of like. Yeah. Oh, she's not that hot. Like, um, yeah. you know, like, motherfucker, are, are you looking in the same mirror that everyone else can look at you? Right. You know, like, like, unless uh, you're getting paid to be a critic, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. That's, I, that's I could all. never, I could never. That's all that social media is now, man. It's just a bunch of fucking trolls running around. And, and I think that's a lot, a lot of people think that I'm just like this really nice person and I just love everybody. And I am. I'm very nice and I do love everybody. But like, there's a lot of shit that I don't like. There's a lot of people that I really don't fucking like. Yeah. But you probably won't know. Yeah. They know. But well, I'm like, not going to go around, like, if I don't like you or if I don't like something you do, I'm just not going to associate and I'm just going to let you be. I'm not going to take my energy to to sp- and spend it on you. I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I've never understood that. And I you, think that's why people just have this perception of me that I just like all oh, peace and everything good. And why some people have been taken aback by my voice as of late, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and me being so assertive and, and, you know, being angry and talking about that because they're just not used to getting that from me. I don't think, but like I said, it's just most things don't deserve my energy. True. What, what is your advice for people? Uh, it could be anything just like, what, what, what would you want to say to people right now? Um, geez, right now there's just so much going on. Like there's, there's so much heaviness, like, you know, in people's personal lives, you know, between the pandemic, um, you know, all the injustices that are, that have been happening, but are, you know, at the forefront, um, with the upcoming election and the repercussions of that. And, um, I think there's just a lot of angst and tension and, um, I think it, I think it goes back to what I would tell myself when I was younger is to focus on what matters, you know, like right now, um, there's a lot of things that you could be worried about, you know, maybe, you know, money or your job or your family's health or, you know, um, you know, communities that are less fortunate than you, or, you know, I could go on and on. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think the message right now is to just like focus on, on what matters. Um, take care of yourself because you can't take care of anybody else or be any good to anybody if you aren't good to yourself. Um, and move with intention. You know, um, I think it's it's easy right now to kind of like feel this sense of like loss and like to have temptation to just like settle and be complacent and play it safe. But like 
you know, we're in a really uh, critical time in like everybody's personal lives, but like, you know, beyond that. So it's like focus on what matters and, and make those moves count, you know, move with intention. That's really good. Thanks. Bro. Like, yeah, shit. Um, where do you see yourself in say 10 years? Man, um, I stopped trying to plan that far out. Okay. Um, that's, that's fair. Cause I don't know either. Like, yeah. I like I really, I used to have, like, I used to be that person that like had like a 10 year goal involved. Like, man, the, the world is changing at such a rapid pace that like, I couldn't have told you that I, I would be here five years ago. Like, just in the, in terms of like technology and like, and like reach, uh, you know, you know, access to people and opportunities. So it's like, dang, I don't know. I think, um, I definitely want to be, you know, still doing music. And I think I still have plenty of years left in me as far as like creating music and performing music. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been getting into like real estate and, um, you know, I definitely envision, uh, myself continuing to do that and invest, you know, my time and money into that. Um, yeah, I mean, just that's tough, bro. <laughs> I mean, really, like, I, I, at this point, like, I, I have like six month and and a year goal. Okay. Because, like, like I said, I, I think that when you when you set expectations like that, especially someone like me, like I'm very much a planner and I like it used to like, uh, I, I missed opportunities. I felt like, you know, in retrospect, because I was so stuck on this is what I want to happen. And I think that like, as you, when you grow and you get to a certain age, you kind of realize that like life's going to fucking happen. And like, there's so many variables you can't control. And, um, I feel like there's great potential and a whole lot of possibilities for my life in regards to, you know, my music and my activism and, you know, my real estate and my personal life. And, um, I just want to stay open to that because I feel like I've, um, held myself back by being stuck to, you know, certainties that are uncertain. Mm, That makes sense. Can you, uh, can you tell us, where we can find you y'all um it's at tori hoot on like virtually everything so like facebook instagram twitter tiktok um every i mean everywhere all social platforms everything's tori hoot um on uh pretty much any streaming platform just type in tori hoot and i'll be there um if you go to ToriHudat.com, um, that will soon redirect to my official website, which we're working on. Um, and uh, if you go to my Bandcamp, if you ever want to like buy music from me, you go to my Bandcamp. Um, okay. If I get pretty much everything when you buy from there, um, and then DatCrew.com is a merch website so um we are planning a lot of uh, new merch items uh, but we've got tons of different t-shirts and um, hoodies and bandanas and hats uh, well the hats aren't on there yet but dm me if you want a hat i got a few <laughs> left um but we got uh can coolers and lanyards and drawstring bags and um but yeah just search tori who google me 
Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank Thanks. you. I appreciate it. Hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed it. Yeah. This Which, is my second podcast, y'all. This was my second one. And we got like super deep. And y'all asked me some tough questions. I'm going to go back and I'm going to pick myself apart. <laughs> um, and I'm going to be better prepared next time. But um, <laughs> but no, I appreciate you challenging me because, um, you know, we're friends. Like we've known each other for years. You could have kept it kept it light, but there's too much going on. And so I appreciate the challenge. Problem. What's your advice for people, Raul? <laughs> My advice for people, oh, man. Um, yeah, you're you're an inspiration, man. Like rah rah fit. Come on. Thank you. Thank you, you need to tell us what's up. Oh yeah, inspire forgot. us, motivate forgot. us. Forgot rah rah fit is Tony manages my page for um, real. So add that to <laughs> add that to his. Um, he wears many hats. <laughs> add that to his resume of things he does. Tony's a man. I'm super um, proud of you, by the way. Oh, like I so just much. gotta say that. Like appreciate it. Um, yeah, man, you know, like I always say just, if you're going to want to do something, do it, but like, I need to come up with something new and next podcast I'll have something new. I, I mean, don't have anything But that's new great right though. Now. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Like I think you Nike know, said that. Like Nike said that. But, um. Your thing is just walk. Oh yeah. You know, I do have this thing called just walk and that's exactly what I did. I just walked and, you that's know. That's profound. And you know, what's crazy is like when it was happening, all these people were like, Oh yeah, what 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 what'd you do? I was like, I literally walked and ate right, and that's about it. Yeah, but just walk—that's like really profound. Yeah. Hashtag just walk, like yeah, real shit. Like, because people say walk your talk. Like, what if you just don't talk? What if you just walk? Yeah, yeah. But like you know, and that was it. And you know, I've had all these people. Well, I really don't respond to them anymore. Or they they ask me all this info, and I give it to all of them, and then. They don't do shit. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, well, you know, this happened, this happened. Like, oh, that sucks. We'll just get back on it, you know? And then, but there are people that hit me up every now and then, and, and I will help them if they want it. And I'll help anybody that wants it. But I'm going to be the person, if you text me for some advice or something and you're not doing it, I'm going to call you out on it. Mm -hmm. Like instantly when I see you and you don't look like you've done anything, it's been like two months. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Accountability. It's I'm important. not going to be the asshole that's going to say, oh, I'll just not bring it up. Right. Because I took my time to help you to help yourself. So don't waste my time. Just waste your own time. You can use you can use YouTube and find that shit. Mm -hmm. Right. There you go. That's why people charge people for this sort of advice. They, they really do. Time is money. Josh Strong is a great uh, personal trainer. That's my buddy. He was yeah. on the podcast. What's your advice, Tony? I don't do advice anymore. <laughs> I just do quotes. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Can you, know. you please tell us your quote for the month? For, and, me, for uh, the podcast. I would like to quote a song I once heard. It's a big booty a, bitches. A lyric from a song. It said, uh, 1990, the year of the project. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the first Tori Huda song. <laughs> yeah, we know. That is the. We were listening to it yesterday. That's no, remember I, I remember when I first met you, I came up to you, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but I was like, 1990, 1990 you're the project, and you're like, you're like damn, damn, that's my shit, dog. <laughs> yeah, that's man. awesome. I had a guy tell me a few weeks ago that he, I was asked him what my, his favorite song was. He was like, rhythm, of course. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> I've gotten better since then. Like, <laughs> like, you can listen to some of the new shit, but... Yeah, that's classic. Yeah, I didn't know you had a song with Lil White till yesterday. Two songs, actually. And then um, we heard the one, uh, what's it called? My The City song? Through My City? Yeah, I really yeah. like that one. That You know what's crazy is that song, um, 
we wrote and recorded that in 2014 and 2015. Oh, wow, really? But it, I just like knew right afterward, I'm like, this is a fucking classic. Yeah. This is never going to get old. And one of the songs I sat on, actually, Miscellaneous was going to put it on his album. Mm. Is and, he from here? Yeah, he's from Memphis. Oh, okay. And he's one of the most underrated lyricists in this city. Like, I don't, I don't think he's ever really like put out a full length project, but he's put out a lot of music. Um, you know, uh, a lot with with Lil White, but just in general, like his, his, he's just uh, an amazing artist. We ran into each other at a gas station mm. that night, and he was like, "Yo, I'm headed to the studio. You want to come through?" And I was like, "Yeah, why not?" <laughs> like, oh yeah. So we went to like. A literal trap house <laughs> and uh with uncle dirty and yeah it was uh it was a good time we recorded in the closet big phil legendary big phil engineering i was like big phil's here like damn like what the fuck yeah and uh yeah we came up with that song real quick and as soon as i listened to it back i was like fuck this is this is one who were some of the new young artists from memphis that people should watch out for um there is an artist by the name of jordan occasionally okay uh, like off rip y'all have to know about jordan she's not just uh an amazing artist i mean her voice is angelic but um she's one of the strongest women i mean she's she's an amazing she's an activist um she's led a lot of the protests and um uh just has a voice that people need to hear like beyond her music uh she's just a really special human and so jordan occasionally all day mm-hmm. and um goldie rebel you ever heard of goldie rebel Mm-mm. man this dude is so good like if i had to like compare him to the caliber of good i think he is he's like and this is this is saying a, a lot but like Drake level oh, okay. of Damn. his versatility. Like he doesn't sing as much, but when he does, I'm like, Damn Goldie. And it's like every song is a banger. Like mm. every song is, is like, like my girlfriend, and I will literally like listen to Goldie as much as we listen to other artists, oh, like wow. other like mainstream artists and stuff like that. Like our favorite, like Goldie's in the mix. Like he was her alarm for a while in the morning, like one of his songs, like Goldie Rebel. And he's like, you know, the type of guy on social media just doesn't get enough attention, enough engagement. And he's just cranking out music. And I'm like, damn, people need to know who you are. Yeah, I hit him. I message him all the time. Like, bro, don't stop. I've never met him. I've never like anything. I just stumbled across him um, through some other artists and Goldie Rebel. Yeah, that's the thing. Like most people, they need to support local people a lot more than they do. Yeah. You know, it's like they even say like always shop local. Well, it's like support your local artists too. Yeah. Add that to the mix. A hundred percent because there's so much talent, a lot of, and a lot of artists, like if they just had the support, Mm -hmm. like, you know, social media algorithms are a bitch. Like all it takes is a, is a double tap. Okay share it to your story. Like what the fuck is it going to hurt you? Like, Mm -hmm. and that does, that does so much for an artist. If you like what an artist is doing, a local art, let them know, encourage them because a lot of them just give up just too soon. Yeah. You know, because shit's tough, Mm -hmm. especially artists that 
create from the heart and from a really authentic place. It gets exhausting putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and spending all that money going to the studio because it's not for free. And then turning around and, and to have, you know, it fall on deaf ears or have people talk like they support you, but don't do the simple things that could change their life. Yeah. You know? So yeah, hundred percent support local artists. 1990. The year of the prodigy. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Take us out T. Um, yeah. Look for Tori who that everywhere on the internet. And, um, She's an awesome person, awesome artist. Person first, though. Thank you. And uh, we love you lots. We love you, man. I love you guys. Bye. Bye.